Hi, my name is Clay Toomey, and I am an ambassador for Enneagram Prison Project. As we approach our 10th anniversary, we thought it'd be fun to sit down and have a chat with all the people who've had an impact along the way with EPP. On today's episode, I travel to California and sit down for a chat with the executive director of EPP and my friend, Rick Olesic. We are in, well, first of all, hey, I, I, before, you know, I don't do like the prep thing, but I do have something I want to play for you here because it just, I don't feel like this would be appropriate if we didn't start here. And then I guess we could give some backstory to this if you want, or we could just totally leave it alone. Sure. But I'll play something from my phone here real quick. What, what would you say you do here? <laughs> <laughs> Well, I don't know, Bob. <laughs> I've waited so long. And of course, for anybody who doesn't know, that's from a movie called Office Space. It's one of my favorite movies. It's a movie that you and I share a lot of uh, just joy in or punchlines in or jokes in or whatever. Like we laughed a lot about. But that particular scene is that in that that line in particular we've said for for years but it's worth here at the beginning and as you know we've already started this is how we roll um where to tell us anything that you find relevant as an introduction to yourself who you are where we are what would you say you know anything uh about yourself sure um so i'm rick rick olesic i'm susan's partner i'm also the executive director for enneagram prison project um and that's a I don't say that very often. I don't say that title very often. Um, I'm a type seven, and I suspect that one of the reasons why I don't say that title, I really don't say titles very often in my whole life. I haven't really done that. Um, and there's a lot to unpack there, just from a um, not wanting to be above or wanting to be wanting to be of and not above. Um, and so, uh, what do I do here? Um, I co-create, I share space with so many lovely hearts in the project and I show up, uh, with a beginner's mind in lots of spaces to, to learn from and to be inspired by and to inspire, I guess, um, I probably don't put enough in uh, my own self in that space, but, um, t t for the project and in when the place, the ways in which the project is, is growing and how and to quote Susan, how I feel like the project is growing me. So that's what I do. Um, I do, of course, hold lots of different spaces in the um, in meetings and such. Uh, I, I often am the de facto facilitator for lots of things. But but you know that um, I think that's more of me just uh, liking that kind of that kind of role than. Um, one of you know being in, in a hierarchy so what's the most recent facilitation that you've done where somebody had an issue whatever the case may have been and they said this is i don't know who does this but rick will know and i'm calling rick and then they call you and you're like oh yeah i'm the guy um you know i i spend a fair amount of time facilitating in places where 
where there's um, upset and and also facilitating in places where the um, where the answer isn't clear and that I don't know the answer but I'm willing to stand in the space with them and try to figure out what that answer is and whether it happens to be or a little you know we spend a lot of time on organizational theory and trying to put that into practice with you know teal aspiring and things that kind of go along with that um, and this is this is a place for me that I really enjoy but what it what that what that invites me into or invites everyone into is to be able to solve their own problems and to take responsibility for their own you know emotions and the ways in which things are coming up and to, to do the work together so I I get this like in a past life I would feel like if I was going to go in into those kinds of meetings I'd feel like I need to solve a problem and now I go into those meetings and I invite them and I invite myself into a creative space to say how is it that we collectively are going to work on this and work work together to to do this and Sometimes it works out brilliantly. Let's stop there. Because <laughs> <laughs> you know if you say the next part, I'm going to ask you, when is it not? <laughs> right? Right. Yeah. So then... <laughs> Then as is it is we can come back to that we'll get we'll get we'll ease into that another time, <laughs> but we'll hopefully we'll come back to it. One of my favorite stories to tell about you, and and it ties in with what you're talking about problem solving and all that is I was staying here at the house. We're here. I don't know if we said that yet, but we're I'm at your house with you right now, and we've had the 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 celebration yesterday, and we've had a lot of people around and. And now we're just kicking it on a Sunday morning. I was here a couple years ago. I think it was four years ago. One night before I was traveling to Kentucky the next day um, for a foosball tournament. And, and I was going to be taking this idea that I had of foosball stats. And like I using the, the spreadsheets. And I don't even remember how it got brought up. I just randomly threw out an idea of like, hey, I'm doing this thing. I'm using Excel you know, spreadsheets to do foosball stats at this, at the world championships that I'm going to tomorrow. And from a little, I don't, maybe you remember how it started. Cause I don't, but I know it was something just like a random mention, or maybe even I asked you a question about how to do something or something along those lines. And next thing you know, we stayed up at the kitchen table for literally at least four hours, probably closer to five working on something that, Big picture didn't matter. Like it's not, there's, I'm not changing the world with foosball stats. It was just something that I cared about that other people there might care about and that you suddenly cared about. And you stayed with me with that problem and, and finding multiple solutions. We created new problems just so we could solve those too. Cause they added to the joy of what we were doing. And to somebody who, do, who don't know anything about what we're talking about, what I want to know your 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 version of that story and why that was if it was enjoyable and why if it was what is there are you drawn to, to is that you're wanting to help me or is it your own now it's your problem that you're wanting to solve like what about that was so interesting and and desirable to you to put your energy into that interesting question i um i don't think i've ever pulled it apart like that um, obviously 
I remember that time and it was it's a it's a lovely memory for me um, staying up late working on you know something that was you know solving a problem that hadn't been solved um, that gives me you know a lot of that that just that alone and doing it with someone that I care about that's a big deal so as I'm pulling as I'm thinking about what you're saying and pulling that apart I'm thinking how much of that was the intellectual exercise how much of it was the camaraderie and the you know the two of us kind of doing that together and how much of it was you know was the fact that i love excel and 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 the technology and to be able to bring technology into into play here um i think the way it started was you had brought this up and you were trying to kind of imagine how that could be done and i think that if I remember correctly, I I could imagine maybe a little further down the road than you could, mm-hmm. um, just because of my own um, Excel, you know, experience. But I really think that the thing that kind of was the was the the thing that buoyed us along was just we. I felt we were both kind of sharing in this like giddiness of like how cool is it that we can actually do this, um, and and go from literally zero. Mm-hmm. to something that is you know that 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 is worthwhile and can be can be tracked and then of course you built on that for for years and continue to grow it you know way past where we were that night um and i and i i've kind of followed along and i love the fact that it, it started you know so so organically yeah um and and it's it's a it's a really lovely memory for me when I talked to Robin last night and we were talking about art and we we're talking about my days as a musician and how part of why I learned so many instruments was because I don't co- collaborate well with others. It's not a thing that I naturally do. And one of the, my, fa- my favorite part about the whole night, the end result was awesome. All that other stuff was great and I loved it and other people did too. But my favorite part was I don't have a great history of like doing things with people. Like, together as a partner i just as a as a partner i i fail a lot and part of it it's not for lack of ability it's for lack of desire a lot of times i don't i don't see sometimes i don't see the value in putting energy into that so it was a big it's it's it's, it's a great memory on so many levels <laughs> for me and that's honestly um at at the top of the list i think and so it's just one of my favorite things to talk about too well for and i mean thank you for saying that and i I think that um, it that says a lot about you, about how willing you were to um, experiment and engage at that level. Um, obviously, you knew that I knew a few things about Excel, and that there'd be there'd be certainly knowledge. But ultimately, there was I think it wasn't it was that was it was it wasn't an exercise mm-hmm. in knowledge in learning. Mm-hmm. It was really an exercise in co-creating. Yeah. And, 100%. and that was the thing that was really um, invigorating and enlivening for me. And that is kind of one of the things that I've leaned into, you know, in lots of different ways in, in, in the EPP is that this, this space of co-creation is, is one that is um, it's talked about a lot, but it is, it's rarely tapped into. Um, it usually is a, a, semi-co-creative space where someone is driving an agenda and and other people are either 
coming up, coming to the agenda or they're not coming to the agenda and they're bringing a few things to the party, but you know, it's not, they're not fully in. And I find that this in so many places in, in, you know, and I guess we'll call our back office stuff at EPP is that people are bringing their whole selves. They're bringing their, 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 um, their experience for sure, but they're also bringing their, their love and desire for something better. And how can they create something better knowing that, knowing that they don't actually know how to do it and yet still feeling like they can just jump in to the pool with, you know, both feet. And that is something that I just, I just, I love, I thrive on that. And I didn't even know how much I did. So when I'm thinking back to when EPP first began, that's the word that comes to mind for me. Um, uh, you were, you were, you were not yet the executive director for EPP. Uh, you were still working in what do we call it? The corporate world. What's the proper like term there? Private enterprise, private enterprise. There we go. <laughs> um, and it's, I mean, as you said, so you're, you and Susan are partners. And so you were, you were there for the early conversations, obviously. Um, so I'm curious about those and what those were like. And, you know, when she came to you with this idea or, or whose idea was it to take the Enneagram into prison? I've, I've talked to her extensively about her side of that. And, and there's been many times where I've asked, like, what about your husband though? Like what, you know, and not instead of, but also like, in addition to your side of it, like, what about Rick? Like how did, did was it just like, Hey, I want to go to prison and, was he just like, oh, cool, that's neat? Or was it like, yeah, I don't know. And I've, I've, and as an inmate in the prison where she went that first time, I can tell you that the rest of us were thinking, like, this dude must be a, just a complete badass because his wife is 2,000 miles away with us inside prison and how cool that is and how... I just remember, th- like, a lot of us thinking, like, this dude is legit. And it's it's... I understand that that can be a demeaning thing to say and it's it might be offensive to some ears to hear it that way that's what our experience was and when i finally got the chance to meet you i that was what was in my head when i was meeting you was like i this is i finally get to meet the dude who in my view was just such a great support and a lot of that was all just stuff that i just context clues i read between the lines and all that stuff but i have you here and so i, I want to know like, what was that like when she says, hey, I got this chance to go to prison. And and then even f- after a while of that being cool, okay, actually, this thing is a, this EPP is a thing that needs to exist. What's your side of all that? Um, well, I will say that you paint me in way too favorable a light. I'll just say that right out. I'll, I'll start with that. Um, of course, there was support. Of course, there was lots of, of, um, of conversations about this. Um, but at that point in our marriage, we were, um, at the time, I think maybe we were, we were 2009, so we were 12 years into marriage. And, you know, all the way through until EPP was founded in 2012 and then you know, we were we were figuring some things out, and we were trying to, um, to to really figure out how is it that we are going to be together in this world. And um, you know, Susan, 
and you know me, and sometimes we can we can come up against some things. And um, what's that quote about what's a hill worth dying on? Mm-hmm. Um, it's not the hill I'm going to die on. But I think that the thing for me on EPP was I I fully supported what Susan was doing, and I hadn't understood it yet. Gotcha. And I understood prison at least at the from the outside looking in kind of prison and i understood that there might be some danger and there might be some things but but ultimately i i kind of just i glossed over that and i was like you know what it's not only is susan a, you know susan's a big girl and she can you know fend for herself we all know that yeah. and but there was this other part which is like i i wanted her to succeed in the things that she was passionate about and so I wanted to just support that. And that's what I felt like I could do as a husband. And then as things kind of progressed, I was like, oh, there were, it, there wasn't like a big like aha moment. It was just lots okay. of little things where it was like, oh, and now it's that. Oh, now. And so it, it's like, it's like, you know, the frog, when he dr- jumps into the boiling water, maybe this is a terrible example. Cause yeah. yeah. <laughs> but, Nobody's but, been boiled yet. <laughs> I hope at least. No, but I mean, the thing is, is it's just like, it's like I, I definitely was, was, I was being, um, uh, I was understanding at a, you know, it just little bits. And then, and then there would be another learning for me. And then there'd be another, but really this is, this was my journey, my journey to be able to be open with myself and understand myself and then to be in a partnership with Susan. And so when she went into the Texas prison, you know, I was fully supportive and, you know, I was for the time, you know, at the time it would, whatever I could do to be supportive, of course. Um, and, um, and and I, I was, I was, I was, it was, it was actually a start of, um, a whole journey for me of how, you know, what, what do I want to do in this world? How do I want to be in this world? Who am I? And, and who are we, Susan and I together? Um, and, and it, and it's, it's wended away, wended through all kinds of interesting twists and turns, but it was a start. And I don't know. I, She's also an incredible writer, and um, I loved when she would come back from Texas and write these just incredible blogs about the stuff that was happening. It was inspirational for me to read and to be like, oh, and at the time I was in, you know, in the, in the public, you know, the in private enterprise yeah. doing work, and, 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 you know, it turns out that's not very inspirational. <laughs> I could, I could, I, as, as I said, sometimes to, to Susan, I was like, some of these days I feel like I could do everything with not just one hand tied behind my back. I could do my, this whole thing with one hand tied behind my back and, you know, and, and half my brain on. And, and that's not really, for me, wasn't the way I wanted to go through life. Yeah. So she was inviting me into a space to like say, huh, and that, and that, and that's, then that's been my journey is to like slowly be able to pick, pick up what she's been laying down. Yeah. And, 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 and then, and then of course for us to, to do it, you know, in a way where, where we could, um, where we could come together and, and do something, you know, that we wanted to do together and be together. The main character in Office Space is Peter Gibbons. Gibbon or Gibbons? 
I think it's Gibbons. Yeah. And it's, it's, I only think of him as Peter. So Peter. Yeah. And <laughs> he, well, I started to say Griffin, but that's family guy. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, what you said made me think of him. Cause you're saying I could just, it's not challenging. You could do it with one arm. And there's a point in that movie where he says, you know, on any given day, I only do about 45 minutes worth of work, you know? And then he goes on to talk about how not rewarding it is and unfulfilling it is and all that stuff. And the the first scene of the movie is him in therapy, which that's the whole, the, there's a lot of stuff about that movie that's hilarious, but there's also some stuff about that movie where it's like, I kind of get that. And there's this search for value in life that is just, it's sometimes it's just tough to find. So you were good at what you were doing and it mm-hmm. wasn't that it was a struggle there on that front, but at some point there and correct me if i'm rephrasing this or repeating it incorrectly but i've it's like this is something i can do but it's not rewarding this is something i can also do and it probably will be rewarding so the transition from private enterprise into the non-profit you know space is i don't know i i can't imagine for me there would be a small sense of excitement just because i'm comfortable with the idea of of smashing face first into the ground of ground, but there would also be a little bit of terror with a family to support and the, and, and let's be real about it. The paychecks are different going from private enterprise to the nonprofit world. And so what was that transition like from a nuts and bolts perspective, or even from like whose idea was that? And how did that even come about? It's been how long, by the way, I think, I think it's, I think I've been the executive years? director for about six years. Okay. So it was 2015 or 16, somewhere in there. I, it was August of 2015 or August of 2016. I have to go back and look. Okay. But the, five the, or six years. Was it, um, was it the idea here and the next month we're here? Or was it like a year or two process? How did um, that all happen? Real, is it cool talking about that? Of course. Okay, yeah, cool. yeah. Yeah. I, I'm just thinking to myself about, you know, um, I'm probably going to do this more than once is to quote Susan. Yeah. But I'll quote her here. It's not a bad person to quote. <laughs> Where she would say, there clearly was something that you were getting out of what it was that you were doing, um, else you would have gotten, you would have left. And so if you're still there, then there's something that you're getting out of it. Speaking of private enterprise. Mm-hmm. Okay. And, and I think that the thing for me, what I was getting out of it was I was getting, I had, I had tied my value to myself as a, um, as a provider and as a father and as a, um, and as a husband who uh, was supportive, and um, and I could put all those things together into a nice, neat little package, and say, because I'm all these good things, you know, I don't really have to look at myself very deeply, and I got I got my shit figured out. And when I started to, and so the provider piece, um. As anyone, I mean, I'm sure this will resonate with some people, is that it it really is insatiable because there's always a bigger paycheck. There's always a bigger thing. There's always more. And 
um, and uh, chasing that particular um, dream, I guess, or that particular uh, image was um, was pretty... I was good at it and I was like, okay, so, you know, we can, we can, we can navigate things easier with money and with, you know, and I can support Susan, right? And I'm putting support in quotes, air quotes. I can mm-hmm. support Susan in her desire to go and do things like go to prison. But ultimately what I was doing was I was, um, as somebody would know about the, I feel like I'm a self pres seven, but I do feel like that my, my social instinct is here. And I would, that one of the things I have been wrestling with in my life is this whole martyr thing. I will martyr for um, uh, my children, martyr for my wife, martyr for whomever, so that I could actually feel that, that, because that particular feeling was, had some level of comfort for me. And, um, and I note, I can now notice it a lot more in myself, like, oh, interesting, look what I'm doing there. Um, throwing myself in front of that. Um, but again, going back to this like transition piece, um, I was very comfortable in that space and I was unsure what it was going to be like not in that space. And any time that you say a word like provider, mm-hmm. that means that there is a, there's a power dynamic between the provider and the provided, Right. So how how did that whole thing play into my marriage with Susan, our our relationship, or my relationship with my boys, and my relationship with the world? Um, how did I get my own value out of that? And so it took me a while to actually decouple that. And so coming on as the executive director for an Eager in Prison project was a a huge step and it was you know again to quote susan from last night you know it was a step off of a cliff that i was hoping that the ground was going to be there underneath me to support me and it has been and it has been maybe maybe because that's the way the universe works and maybe because you know maybe because i was able to navigate it who knows where the where the actual um you know i'm sure it's a lot of things but it was just a step off of that. It was a step in that, and it, and it was a step towards something. I was stepping towards um, a more integrated life with Susan and a more integrated life with myself. So I don't know if that answers your question. But, uh, Absolutely, and it, and I, it makes me wonder more as well, and I'm going to be nosy. And you, uh, hopefully you know the drill, but I'll say it clearly just in case mm-hmm. that the boundaries are yours to set. Mm-hmm. And at any point I say something that you don't feel like talking about, then tell me pass um and we also have the almighty delete button later if necessary um i'm curious just strictly from a nosy perspective like were there anything good or bad positive negative whatever unexpected things that came up that i don't want to say that makes you second guess because that's that's putting that's assuming way too much but just like things that came up that was like this is way better than i thought it might be or this is scary or or you know, any any of those um, types of emotions that just weren't anticipated or expected or anything like that after making the switch from, you know, your your career previously to now executive director as, uh, of Enneagram Prison Project? Well, the funny one is that I thought naively 
that I was like, I am so accomplished. I, I, I can do this <laughs> easily. This is going to be literally another one of these exercises of like, uh, you know, this is not going to be a hard thing. And uh, boy, <laughs> having that smack me in the face, but like, yeah. oh no, actually, you're going to need every last thing that you learned over your whole career <laughs> and then some, and you, you are going to be, you're going to be thrown back into a learning curve that you haven't you haven't seen the smacks are what i want to hear about what, <laughs> yeah. were, the, what were the smacks well well i mean the thing is is it's like i, I was like oh well okay I, I've, I've run hr departments i've run it departments i've been a cio i've been you run my own company i'm like i know i know shit and uh, so i'm like oh i can easily go into a nonprofit and 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 the small we're just a little bitty thing we can, we can i can easily work this through and i was like oh hold on a second mm-hmm. i know i know i know everything or I know a lot about business and I know nothing about the heart, nothing because the, the, all of the places in which, in spaces that I resided in, in business were all about numbers and, and, and deliveries and creation of, you know, of, you know, programs and nothing. And of course, of course, uh, running teams, but running teams with, um, in a transactional way. Now I, I had lots of, uh, folks, I, I at least at least as I continued to grow as a as a manager, I realized that was that that kind of transactional management was you know wasn't it wasn't working. But I hadn't I hadn't really understood anything about my own motivations and my own ways in which I would like come into something and say, oh no, fundraising is a thing, yeah. and and you have never done it so good luck with that yeah but and, what could be so hard about fundraising i say with my tongue completely right. in my cheek <laughs> right and i was like yeah what could be so hard about that and i'm like oh yeah that's right i've never done it in fact i've always said i've always had some you know value proposition saleable good mm-hmm. something that i'm like oh x for y and now it's like oh no no oh that's not actually what this is this is actually you know this is looking at the um, a bigger and broader future and what does that look like and how do we create a better space and i have i've created widgets i've i have been you know made creation of widgets more efficient i don't and even know what a widget is i should and i don't well, want to admit that out loud but what the hell is a widget well it's it's a, it's a, it's, a, it's a it's a fictional thing that's just like a fictional product okay and so it's like i you know and, and so sometimes when they talk about things and like oh you just you know widgets is just a, just a, a common phrase for that but it but i i would i got really good at that kind of thing but this isn't there's there's not a widget to be found here. So <laughs> EPP. There's our T-shirt. Every episode we find. There's, there's not a widget to be found here. <laughs> it's just like it's just and it's 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 about the heart and and in fact it's been my invitation from Susan and from from you and from uh, other folks inside of EPP to continue to to go inward and to figure out what is what is it that I want you know what is what is it that I want in this you know one precious life so i i I love hearing the way that you talk through that because it's so different than i don't know i have i first of all never had a career i mean i've had different jobs but i never went to college i don't have an education most of what i've learned is just from experience and and honestly just from making a ton of mistakes which is comfortable uh territory for me um, I, I love the language that you choose a lot of times when we talk, we're buddies. So we, we, we shoot the shit quite a bit. Um, and we've probably had a conversation or two about language and I want to ask you 
in particular about one thing if if you're up for chatting about it i there's a phrase that i've noticed that is it seems more common in this community than like in the foosball world for example people when they're married introduce themselves as husband and wife and it's very rarely that you'll hear somebody say that this is my partner when they're married and i've noticed that that's a thing that's common with you and susan and then a lot of other people but you're here so i'm asking you about you why is the language of that or first of all is it important and why when you're married to someone is it is it why say this is my partner rather than this is is my wife so um i haven't thought of it this way but just the you kind of introducing it um i think that the undercurrent for me is this part around possession and that um being in a saying someone is your husband or someone is your wife while it's true it does have um it doesn't it doesn't it doesn't feel maybe sometimes for me like it has that we're um, necessarily moving towards a common goal and partnered, you know, that, 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 that the actual, um, that that is the thing, husband and wife is the thing, as opposed to, and I feel like for Susan and for me, I feel like the, the two of us are in a partnership and we're moving towards something that's greater than ourselves and greater than the sum of the two of us. And so, so it's not, the, the, there's not a boundary or something that confined by the, the that you know the nomenclature of husband wife and i haven't thought of it that way before i you know I'm happy to to say susan is my wife and i'm um and uh and i also i i love thinking of her as a partner because like i said it just it it it, it seems to me more expansive expansive mm-hmm. and I want there's a joke in there about I'm gonna leave it. We'll say that off mic, but I heard expensive ever. <laughs> Definitely not exp- <laughs> expansive. Expansive. Mm-hmm. This is where my accent can get me in trouble sometimes. <laughs> uh well thanks for talking. I was totally I mean that was maybe felt random. Uh no. I, I think I think it's fun to jump in. I mean, is that a weird question to ask or is it I I I I have um I have put my uh, expectations at the door yeah. and I left them there and I'm just I'm gonna be present and roll with whatever it is that comes up what uh, so oh well then you just totally opened the door on that one then. so then we'll flip it now you're asking me questions you're, you're in charge <laughs> well you ready <laughs> I can do that <laughs> it will, you, know, you know it'll take me two seconds to like flip into that yeah i'm down i you, you said we're up for down for anything uh so i just i don't know i'm comfortable test driving just random thoughts with you like i think it's i think it's fun you, you always seem up for the challenge of not even challenge but just the joy ride of just like something new something different and part of that is you know you said you're a type seven and you gave i put you on the spot early this weekend when we were driving up the hill um, with my mom and I asked you to give like a quick little 10 minute elevator pitch, which 10 minutes is kind of long for an elevator pitch, but of type seven and you, and you, I, in that 10 minutes, I learned a lot about seven that I just hadn't thought. And it's the way that you articulate things. It's the way that you, you, and again, the way that you use language, 
I find it enjoyable and I, I think it's fun to, to listen to. And it, it, I understand it too. That's an important part because sometimes I don't always get what people are saying. Even when it's a simple like idea, I'm just like, what are you talking about? And the way that you articulate things makes it easy for me to, to get. And so I feel like you're down like a lot of times for just a new idea and just randomly you know, pulling that apart and seeing what's there. How, is that a seven thing or is that a, like, what's, what's the, what's, I don't know. What's the deal? <laughs> well, I think that for me, um, I, um, I have a real like love hate relationship with language and with being understood. Um, I pulled apart some of this in my, um, well, let me just say it a couple of more ways. When I was in high school, I took a, ton usually it would be an s ton of latin mm-hmm. that was the language that i chose to take in high school why does anyone do that that was you know now of course i was thinking to myself oh, you know this is um you know i like i like mythology i like you know i like history i like you know culture and all of this you know roman culture and greek culture for you know at least understanding a little bit about you know greek myths and things but but why latin and as I've, and then later on when I was in college, I took Italian, um, and I can't speak Italian. And but I what what happened for me is I was realizing that I in this I did not feel, I did not have enough um, enough inner strength to um, approach people or a group without being able to feel like I could be understood. I could not go back into a place where I could be, you know, speaking at a third or a four-year-old level. I couldn't do it. And I tried really hard. And 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 as I was kind of trying to figure that out as in my um, 20s and 30s, I, what I realized is I'm like, oh, I, this is, this is a total defense mechanism for me. Like I, 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 will come up, I'll use all kinds of things to deflect. I, li- I, I lived in Italy, still can't speak Italian, right? And why? I had, you know, it, it was really, I just didn't, I, I, I didn't feel comfortable not being understood. And as I've gone on in my life, I'm like, okay, so I can draw a through line. Like, oh, that's why I took Latin. I took Latin because it's not a speaking language. <laughs> Nobody speaks Latin. They just they can do it on paper, <laughs> right? It's a it's a it's it's a translation language. It's yeah. a it it it. I I could I could put it under like the oh it's a learned thing, right? I I get to learn all these different roots. So now you know I can know all these different words, but it's not a speaking language. When I took a speaking language, I was like oh I'm terrified of not being understood. And I, I really think as I was going through as, as, as in kind of understanding myself as a seven, I was like, oh, if I can't be understood, then a lot of my particular superpowers, you know, being, you know, affable, being easygoing and, you know, able to, you know, uh, deflect with jokes or, you know, funny witticisms or whatever, it all goes away. You get nothing. You got, you can't, you can't show up in that way. So how do you have to show up? You have to show up basically as, as a, um, as someone who doesn't know. And that's terrifying. Right. So how are we, how are how is someone going to be able to judge me in a language that I can't speak? They're going to judge me poorly. 
And so instead, I would just reject it and, and, and say, you know what, I, I, would, I would speak in English. I would, you know, I wouldn't, because I felt, because I felt, um, I felt lesser than. And, um, and that's, as I've kind of looked at that, I'm, it's given me a lot of empathy for my younger self and also a lot of just empathy for, for folks that are, that, 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 that also don't, that where English isn't their, isn't their first language. Yeah. And, um, and know that, uh, the way in which they are able to, you know, move through the English language is, you know, turned as, as, as I've said to other people when they're like, oh, you know, I don't speak a very good English. And I'd be like, yeah, but it turns out your English is a ton better than my French or Spanish or whatever, <laughs> you know, pick whatever your natural, your yeah. native language is. So do you have, is there a particular memory that's, that's, it's not a favorable memory, maybe a bad memory that's tied to not being understood even as a, as a child or, or more recently as an adult where you in hindsight was like that sucked because my point didn't get across and it was because oh. of a lack of my ability to communicate. Yeah. I mean, when I was, when I was young, I, I don't know if I can speak as a specific example, but when I was young, I, I believed in my bones that if I just could have the right argument, then I could, I could get my agenda met. I could get my needs met. If I just had the right argument, I could convince. I could in some way be able to navigate to to love or affection or or safety or whatever. And that what happened. What would a kid need to argue about? I mean, well, when or for argue well, for? Uh, well, what would what would any teenager or you know younger kid need to argue for? Know. You know, autonomy. Yeah. You know, being able to go out and do something, being able to you know have, um, you know, have a a family that was you know a little bit more um, that did that didn't have as much dysfunction. You know, things that were coming up that I would where maybe if I could just find the language, I could convince. Um, yeah, I remember. I remember those things. And those that was in my native language, right? That was in English. That wasn't like me trying to say it in a different language. Um, and and so so that became something that I, I just I just noticed it, and it would, but it was noticed in hindsight. So just kind of as I look back, I just think, huh. And then, and now I can say, okay, so could I do a better job now of learning another language? Well, I guess I could. Brain elasticity might say no, but, you know, I certainly, I, I'm much more open to it um, and much more open to being, you know, uh, be able to, that, that, my, that my value as a person isn't, um, isn't tied to my ability to bring humor or deflect or bring witticism or, yeah. or to make something light or easy, you know, these are all like, you know, it, the seven stuff really resonates here. And it's funny that, uh, so as, as you talk, I, 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 I think like the words that you say, and it may, it makes sense. And I understand one of the stereotypes that we often have for the seven is, is, is of physical energy. That's just like kind of, you know, always outward and sometimes for a withdrawn type can be overwhelming. I've never experienced that with you. And it's, I, I know that you're a seven. I know that you have thoughts that are consistent with what I know a lot of sevens do. 
But for somebody who might hear you talk and think, this is the least seven I've ever heard anybody sound because you're not bouncing off the walls or whatever the other nonsense stereotypes that there might be about seven. And it makes me, it goes back to the elevator pitch that I heard you give on the way up. And I'm wondering if you're down to just hit us with a little uh, type seven elevator uh, well, pitch just so that we can further understand well, I'll just say, what it is to be seven. I will. I will say a few things here. Uh, you know, I, I'm just sitting in this, this place of reflection and um, I think that uh, I can remember the times when I was bouncing off the walls. I can remember the times when I could not be contained and that my energy was, um, was too much. <laughs> I can remember that. Um, and my journey has been to um, see that in myself and to, to say... Uh, and and not like it, and then to say okay, and as some uh, I I've said this uh, to lots of people, and I've said this to you, um, I have a really strong six wing. You know, my dad was a phobic six and is a phobic six, and 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 I can hear his voice a lot, and so I can uh, you know I feel like I'm I'm leaning there a lot. I lean there in that space, especially as a father, and a, and hearing his voice in my head about how you know how you how you do fatherhood. Um, but as a seven, I, I can feel the ways in which I did that. And the fact that I don't do that anymore, thank you. I'm glad that I don't show up in a way that, um, that, that uh, typifies or is like things that you've seen in other sevens. Because um, it's what I've been moving away from. <laughs> um, and, and, and the reflection of us, I've seen that reflection in others and I've seen it in, and, and I recognize it in myself and it gives me further, um, I guess, fortitude to, to, to continue down my path of like presence and staying solid. But I'm, I'm here in this, in this space to bring joy. I know that. And, but I, what I've really pulled apart is that joy actually doesn't come from like effervescence or like like energy joy actually comes from just just being and being in this space of like oh love and 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 seeing you know some of the things in the world that are um that can be interpreted in beautiful ways and can be seen in beautiful ways. and just having the joy of I mean, we're sitting here. It is absolutely storming outside. Yeah, and some of that might be picked up on the mics, but it's pretty bad. And it's pretty windy outside, at the, at the very least. And and I'm and I'm and I know this is a reframe, but I but and I'm not a rain person. I grew up in Miami. We had rain every rain to me um, in Miami. If, if if anybody who's listening to this knows Miami, and the rain is was the time in my um, in my life when stuff had to go inside and it happened every mm. afternoon so pretty much in the summer in miami every afternoon the rains would roll in and that was the time when i wasn't able to play football on the street it was the time when we had to you know bring the boat in it was the time when we had to you know go in and and nothing the wrong fun is over no and at least the at least all the stuff that we were kind of moving to a, the 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 games that were happening outside mm -hmm. you know they moved inside because it wasn't just rain it was also lightning and so then playing in the rain is not even an option. Right, exactly. So playing in the rain is not an option, you know. I, I remember when I was, um, I think I was probably like 12 or 13, 
and we were inside and it was some afternoon and a lightning bolt hit one of the pine trees that's probably like 30 feet from my window and it was that, ex- made, a, that made a noise explosion <laughs> right explosion um and and uh and so so rain's not my rain's never like it doesn't have a lot of good memories for me it has a lot of like 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 constriction things that have happened for me it's a bummer yeah but but I but I look at this and I'm but like, here we are. But here <laughs> we are, and it is absolutely just Storm and Norman out there, and yeah. and uh, and I'm like, oh, we need that in perfect timing, and of course it is. Yeah. So, but I, but I I mean I don't mean to like like just gloss over the the you know the elevator pitch, but I do feel like you know my essence. Um, I'm still trying to. I'm still trying to to find it in, in in all these different spaces, and um, I know I know how I show up, and I know I I and I I I, I take criticism okay, mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, I and, love that you say criticism, and then the sentence ends with a laugh. It's well, I mean, it's 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 laughable actually, right? Because I know that I uh, I've. That, that it's it's a it's a learned thing and and this kind of you know kind of comes all the way back to Susan as my partner is that I um I have learned so much um as a partner with her and we have gotten to um to grow up together and and I and I will say I know for me I have gotten to grow up with her Yeah, that's good. How can, and we're still, uh, uh, we're still on seven. How can, how can I, I specifically, and then the general I to who anyone is listening, how can I be a better friend to type seven? I think my quickest answer is to be patient and to invite them into a different space. Um, and I, I've had a, I have a very strong counter will type of, um, you know, mechanism in me. And so, uh, if someone were to say, I don't like that in you, of course that would maybe that might do something at the, mm-hmm. in the time, but ultimately I would probably re- reject that and move instead move away from that person, as opposed to take that you know past my my particular outer shell. However, if I can, if if you know th- through modeling, through love, through just um, uh, invitation. I love the word invitation, by the way. It's become one of my favorite words. Um, through invitation, I, I feel like people can change. They can be a better version of themselves. Um, and sometimes it is uh, just, like I said, the invitation to something that's greater than. And um, there are always, we all know that there are spots in our lives when people that we love are in those inflection points, those points where they can make a change and we see them and they, they sometimes there's just a glimmer. It's just, it's just, it's just like a moment, but the right 
you know, showing up with, with love and showing up with, with real true empathy for and not judgment of, um, really for me, that's the, that's, that, was a, that was the elixir that was um, where I could say, oh, what if I make a change? What if I do something, just a, something a little differently and do it for, you know, for, for myself? I appreciate that. Mm-hmm. Um, you're you're one of the f- you're the first person that I met who um, claimed type seven that I that I that I liked <laughs> 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 that I got that I got along with, and so I I I and that's that's because of me. That's because of my issues with that. And I wish I had this conversation a decade ago because there's some sevens who I probably would have got along with a lot better. Because I wasn't any of the things that you just asked us to be, and it's a work in progress. And I hope I'm, I hope I'm making steps in the right direction. Um, you're one of my favorite people to talk to. We're not done. I don't want to sound like I'm wrapping up, but I do want to check and see how you are. It's we're rolling up on an hour here. Is it okay? Yeah, I'm good. Um, I want to ask about a more recent thing that you've been involved with with the project, and that's the podcast. This is something that exists and I, I give Robin credit. I give you credit. I give Halita credit. And obviously I accept my role as well as being important. And one thing that I've noticed in talking to everybody about their roles, and I hope I didn't leave anybody out by the way, is it seems that everybody is underselling what they do. So when I say Robin is literally without Robin, it doesn't happen because it didn't happen for years. And the most recent change to the, to, the, to the chain was Robin was added. So I don't feel that I'm exaggerating when I say Robin is not the reason, but without Robin, it wasn't happening. And then, you know, I think, I wouldn't say that he just dismisses that, but he, he does, there is a bit of an undersell saying, look, you're the re-. like, so everybody's given credit to everybody else instead of just, you know, instead of just taking that and saying, so I'm wondering if you'd be, it's a silly question. I'll admit that in advance. So prepare. But instead of underselling your part of the podcast, would you go the other direction and just completely oversell everything that you do with how this happens and what, what the process is and just exaggerate it as much as possible? Okay, you're ridiculous. <laughs> That's what I'm going to say. <laughs> the, the, the reason why, why we all undersell it isn't because it's because um, it's a... It's a it's a um, it's a recipe that has ingredients, and if the ingredients aren't quite right, or you don't have the right ingredients, then the 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 pie doesn't bake right. It doesn't, you know, the thing the bread doesn't rise, and nothing nothing wrong with you know the particular ingredients. It just doesn't it just doesn't come out the way that you'd want, and so you're like, well, why would I bake that again? Mm-hmm. Right? That that didn't work. Um, so do I play a part? Of course I do. And is my part, you know, any more important than the part that someone else plays? I will undersell it because, um, I, I don't, I, I, I don't want it to feel like it is me because it's not, it is us. And this is a space, by the way, that is, that I've mentioned earlier on this, on this podcast is that I, I loathe hierarchy. And I and I'll just go a little bit into the seven here for me. Um, I 
used to loathe hierarchy because I could get mine. I felt like I was subconsciously or consciously that I was smart enough and quick enough to be able to get my, if we were on, if we were on level ground, I could get my agenda and my needs met if we were on level ground. And so I would, I would do away with hierarchy and whatever, and I would, you know, pull down hierarchy in whatever way I could. I now see it a little differently. Now I see it like, listen, there is a real um, lovely energy that can be created and can be co-created when, when intention is set and when the, when the energies are in alignment. And so is my energy in alignment with the podcast? Absolutely. Am I willing to throw in and do all the, you know, the things that need to get it over the finish line, just like you, just like Robin? Of course. And does it happen without me? It might, but it it might not. It might not happen. It might not happen without you, and it might not happen without Robin. And yes, Robin is the latest ingredient to it. And I think all of us are, you know, are what make this happen. And to to call out the the yeast is it's not it's not that important right? <laughs> until you don't have it. Until you don't have it, yeah. and then you're like, and so and so in trying to like go back in time and like try to dissect it and be like, well, what makes that you know, bread good. You're like, well, <laughs> it's really, it's all. It's so I know I went in, I, I, I'm taking your, what I, what I consider to be, you know, you said a silly question and I, I'm just going to just say, that's what I'm going to say. You that's, called it ridiculous. I did. I was, I was, <laughs> I was comfortable at silly. Like I thought that was pretty mild and you, and you didn't, you didn't accept that. You're like, no, let's upgrade that to first class ridiculous. <laughs> All right. Well, so so then then what do you what, what would you say you, you do, do here with the podcast? When I so, I do my part, this is my part. Yes. This is this I talk, I hit record, right. and then I do a little some technical things with with sound, and then I email it to just just so they know. I email all four at once. I email the file mm -hmm. to Robin, you, Susan, Helita. Mm -hmm. Why? Who does what after they get that? Yeah. From me? Well, ultimately, now it's it's on kind of you know, autopilot, right? We're, we're just going through when we're doing the things. Go to day one. Yeah. But, 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 but at, the, at day, day one, it was, it was, I think that you go back, go to day negative one. Yeah. Pre day to, one. Yeah. Pre day one. BC. So if you go, if you go to BP <laughs> before podcast. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So before cast, <laughs> um, it was, it was, it was this thing where, um, as a as as an energetic exercise we all were trying to figure out what this wanted to be and um my particular part was how can we make sure that however whatever whatever is done here can be easily distributed and that was my part and what does that look like it turns out you know 2 years ago it looked a lot different than it looks now Right, two years ago, it was you know, it was relatively difficult, and now there are many different places to be able to do that kind of publishing and and get things to easily move through. My other part is to make sure that, um, that that all of us. I feel like one of my parts is to to make sure all of us are in alignment, and and that's a super easy part because we're we're naturally in alignment. So it's it's almost like it's like a non-issue. Um, so my, so then it's super easy for me to undersell that because it's not very much. 
and I and I <laughs> will just I'll politely disagree because I I think that the the because I could say I could say my version of that and people 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 say a lot of nice things mm-hmm. about the podcast and and I don't always it makes me feel good but I don't always feel deserving because you know they'll comment on specific tactics that I've used and I'm and in my head I'm going I don't know what the hell I'm doing I just like talking to people I genuinely find people interesting. And, and I'm just nosy sometimes and I'm curious and mm-hmm. sometimes silly right. or ridiculous. Or, or ridiculous. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> so, and I just, it's fun to me. So with the way that, the way that you're underselling that is to me, I think it's similar to like, people don't accept it when, when they give that compliment of, of a specific way that I asked a question or, or anything. And I just say, I don't know what I'm doing. I just want to sit down and talk to people that I, that I like. And so I feel what they f- t- what what they feel when I say that is what I feel when others in the process say like it's not that big a deal. I didn't know how to do it. Mm-hmm. I know how to do a lot of things. I don't know how to get this. I don't know how to distri- dis- distribute it. <laughs> yeah. I and, don't know how and, to upload but, it somewhere. But now you do. And you know what? And, and so the fun part for me. I don't. Well, if I y'all, know. I couldn't do this. Yeah, you could. It would just take me two seconds to show you. But I would say the fun part for me was figuring it out. Yeah. And of course. And figuring it out with you and with Robin and with Halita and others and just saying, you know what? This is how we're going to do it. And we're fine. They'll, we'll just, we'll make fun of them if they come through and walk through. We'll give them, we'll give them shit for anybody. I don't know if that, if the mics picked it up, but there, we have company. <laughs> we have a train passing by. <laughs> Last night it was Suzanne and she's not even here and she's still getting brought up again. So exactly. This is Robin will probably chop all this. Hi Robin. Um, I, 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 just, I, I think that for me, the, the easy thing, easy way to say it is, is that when in, in, in any type of endeavor, project or you know or, or something larger when when energies are in alignment actually things seem so easy and when they're not it's like pushing a rock uphill right and so it and so do we do we how 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 silly is it to talk about how easy it is to roll a rock downhill it's pretty easy yeah, and it's and it's really hard to roll a rock uphill. So it's really about alignment. It's about energy, and it's about just saying, "Hey, we're, what are we doing here? What what do you say you do here?" <laughs> <laughs> I, I want, I'm going to watch that movie on the flight home. <laughs> do you have a favorite line in Office Space? A line, a quote, an idea, anything? I I think that the uh, um that Office Space is one of those. Uh, movies that that just i i can just smile at so many different aspects especially of the boss yeah coming in and lumberg exactly when lumberg comes in and, and says i'm gonna need you to work on saturday i i just i just can't i just start laughing because yeah. i know that that's the i've seen that i've been that that's this this that's the part that I was talking about earlier about this transactional nature mm-hmm. of business. And so, and it, and it seems so, um, it's so ingrained in our, in the way in which we do things, um, in, in the, in the, in the private sector, um, and in private enterprise. And it, it almost so much that it's like, how could you possibly do something different? That's just the way you do it. You have employees and employees do things and the, the, the way a manager is actually given credit for their job is to get the most out of their employees. Well, what does that mean? 
that means that you're going to exploit them. Yeah. Right? That is the, at the very... Perfect word. At the very base level, that is what it is. It's, and you might, you might do it through all kinds of other tactics, but just those, the language there of like, get the most out of your employees. Yeah. Right? Is, we use that language and it, it's, you know, it's, it's all like, you know, fluffed up there. But getting the most out of your employees, that that sounds that sounds transactional to me. Yeah. And so in it's and now and so some this is why I love organizational theory is that it's like, okay, so if the one of the interesting things that has kind of come through is like, well, the way you do that is to um, make it so that the employee feels empowered. Okay. Well, are they empowered? <laughs> because how would they be right well if they i mean maybe they are it depends on exactly what the structure looks like right but if the structure is hierarchical right where someone is telling you what to do then you know even if they're asking you nicely or they're you know pretty pleased with sugar on top yeah it's still like you know your job is on the line unless you do it and they may say hey do it at your own pace they may say, but but if, if but if ultimately you know corporations come down to a profit motive, then mm-hmm. efficiency matters. Right. So so how do you? So I don't mean to go too far off on the weeds there, but I'm down. <laughs> by the way, <laughs> it's but, it, but it's just it's just a thing. And so the one of the things, and I would you know I'll just do the plug for you know for Fred Lelou's book of reinventing organizations. I just am continuing to. Um, learn at that at that book's feet of about what what teal looks like and i'm excited about just how we as an organization have been embracing that in the movie office space lumberg what how would he if you could tap him on the shoulder and say hey i can i can help you out and you could be a better leader what would what i what advice and i'm okay actually calling this question ridiculous before i even ask it what advice would you give lumberg so that he could be and I mean, seriously, there's, yeah. you know, there's a Lumberg listening somewhere. They might not know it, but well, you know, what, what would, how, do, how is Lumberg, how does he de-Lumberg himself? Well, that's the part of the problem. Part of the problem is the structure itself mm-hmm. is actually debilitating, yeah. not just for the, for all the folks that are in office space, but also for Lumberg because of, you know, that, that is part Same of this, things happening to him. Right. I mean, of course he's the boss and whatever. And I think he maybe you know, but he is part of a corporation and mm-hmm. that corporation has, you know, has things that they're needing to do. And, and so he's going to, he gets his pressures and, um, the, the way to actually decouple that is to, um, uh, create, create different spaces for the employees to be able to pursue um, and to live, to be, be passionate about what they're doing um, and, to, um, and to create, to be able to be invited into a co-creative space. And what does that look like in office space? Heck if I know, because that movie is not about that at all. That is in fact the that is the the literal opposite of that. But I, I and I will say just for the record, the fact that you're that we're talking about office space in this podcast is ridiculous. Zero there's zero percent chance that office space was not gonna come up in a conversation with us. There's literally it would not be an honest genuine conversation if office space didn't come up i want to do one tiny exercise and then 
give you the last sure. word after that and end it there. And that exercise is naming the episode. Like this is part of what we do with the pod podcast. And I, typically I throw like when I email everyone, and by the way, good call on the what you said earlier about the power going out is not affected because we're on a laptop. It's gone out. It's flickered twice now. Um, it's not relevant to anybody listening, but I just it's interesting. In yeah. Um, but uh, so the process from my end is I, I talk and record. And then I go back and do some uh, audio adjustments, like in terms of mm -hmm. leveling the volume as much as possible, snipping things here and there. And then I send an email, and in the email I say, this is what I like the title as. I like the description as this. And then it's not my call. It's just my suggestion. And then a lot of times it stays. And then sometimes it's, it's bettered mm -hmm. or whatever. So naming the, the podcast episode is one of it's fun to me. And I don't, I don't often ask for input, but you're one of the people that's in the process. And so we could like, what's, what feels like a good, uh, title for this episode to you? What, what comes to mind for episode eight of the Enneagram person project podcast? Um, so we've talked a lot about language. And so, um, normally here I would try to be somewhat punny and find some way, but I can't on the fly do that without, but I think maybe the answer is probably around space mm -hmm. and it's probably the answer is office spaces, office spaces. Office spaces. Oh, office spaces. Yes. I'm down. I'm so down with that. <laughs> I, and, and if you have a change of heart later, then I'm probably, <laughs> probably here about it. Well, yeah. I don't know about the, about that title. Can you put your elbow on the counter with your <laughs> cup of coffee? So about that title. Uh, yeah. I don't know about that. All right, uh, off, that'll be the tentative yes. uh, uh, title. I I personally like it. Um, and then, of course, the, you know, I, I don't like the last word. It's one of my favorite things to not do. I don't like to introduce people, and I don't like to take the last word. And so that'll be all yours here in a second. I, I first want to just say thank you for sitting down. And this is not everybody's cup of tea, and, and people have been so willing to do it and it's it's rewarding it's it's enjoyable for me on a selfish level and from the feedback that I, i'm getting i can tell you that people before they even hear this i can already tell you that they're going to be glad that they have had a chance to hear you talk and and hear some of your thoughts on a lot of different things and uh i would like to chat again sometime with you i think you're a fascinating person you're my friend i care a great deal about you i think very highly of you and I just want to express gratitude and your willingness to just sit down and talk in a conversation that really has no limits. So thank you for that. Um, I want to give you the last word and, and anything that comes to mind for you, I won't, there's no question. There's no prompt and uh, there's no limit on time either. I have a lot of space on this old laptop over here. Anything that we didn't cover, anything that's just on your mind, on your heart, uh, the, the floor is yours and I'll just end with thank you. Thanks, Clay. Um, <clears throat> we had the benefit of being able to go to breakfast this morning with your mom, and um, that was really lovely to just, you know, to be in um, in that place with the three of us just having, you know, just just connecting. And um, you, you brought that question up a lot around partnership with Susan. And, you know, we've gone around so many different ways of like, okay, so what was it like to do this transition? What was it like to move from office space, you know, to, to, to this other place? And um, I think that the, 
the thing I'd like to just end with is that some one of the things that I was talking to you and your mom about, which is this place where we can get to an inflection point and we don't even know it. Um, and we have to make a choice. And um, Susan's talked about this on other podcasts or other, you know, discussions about, you know, where emotional responsibility came for, uh, came from, where that particular part got introduced into the curriculum, um, came from our therapist. And uh, you've asked me a lot about type seven, and I think oftentimes about our therapist who was also my, an individual therapist for me, and she was a type seven, and she was blunt as hell. And I loved that about her. Um, she was she was not the stereotypical bouncing off the wall seven. She was she was direct and to the point and and could say really hard stuff with a smile on her face. Um, and there was a spot, you know, where choices get where we get to make choices and get to go from a place of like, you know, towards partnership. Um and I was reflecting on that with your mom um, and with you um, in, that, in that time when, uh, when she, and her name was Leanne, and her name probably is still Leanne. <laughs> Hi, Leanne. Um, where she just, where she, where, where sometimes, you know, I, I talked about early on the podcast that there's an invitation is the way to change, and sometimes it's not. Sometimes it's just the real deal. It's somebody saying something who you respect and is telling you, hey, you need to knock it off or you need to make a choice. And that choice is yours to make. Um, and I've said this in, I think, other places, but I'll say it here. Um, when we were struggling um, in our marriage, one of the things that we would talk about in, in this in emotional responsibility piece of like, you know, if only Susan didn't do this, then I would be okay our marriage would be okay. Everything would be okay. If only Susan didn't do this, if only Rick didn't do this. Um, but, uh, I was with Leanne by myself and she just took it upon herself to like, give me the real deal. And she just said, Hey, listen, here's the deal. I'm, I'm going to make it really simple for you. Uh, you are at this point where you can make a choice and the choice can either be, you can look inside, you can figure out what's going on for yourself and make a change, even if it's, you know, and start, or start to make a change, or you can leave this marriage and go find somebody else and go on, you know, and find someone, by the way, just spoiler alert, it'll be a, someone very similar to Susan. It'll be someone who is, um, and, but, but you'll already been on this carousel once before, so it won't go as long and before you hit the same problems. And then, You'll get divorced from that, and then you'll do that rinse and repeat for as many times until you die. Those are your choices. So it's either you're going to make this choice to start the process of looking at yourself and how to take emotional responsibility for yourself, or, or you have this other perfectly, you know, in a non-judgmental way, just like perfectly acceptable alternative. And of course, she said it with a smile, and I knew the answer was like, well. Those do not sound <laughs> and 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 I I was um, not wanting to go down. I did not want to open door number two, and so the invitation, though it was really more of a like a you know the authentic like hey slap you upside the head kind of thing, was hey, 
get your shit together. <laughs> Grow up. Figure out a way to look inside and to start making some changes in your own life. And I really, really appreciated that. It's more than I could, I mean, it was, it was an inflection point. It was a place where it could have gone either way. And, um, and I'm, I was so glad that she um, had the, the foresight to be able to see me as, a, a, you know, another seven and just to be able to be, be real with me and to say what was really the deal. And I've, I've, I've thought on that a lot. And so when you started talking about like, what was it like, right, to, for Susan to go down this path, uh, you know, in prison, what was it like for, you know, um, for, for people to, um, for the, for the prison project, for you to step into the prison project um, space, it all, the through line is this, this is like, oh, this is my journey. And, and who is to know what your journey looks like when you start? Um, you can usually, if you go back, you can usually find some spaces where you made a particular turn down a particular path, and um, but it's uh, but it's not without some peril, and it's also not without with any like foreknowledge of what it's supposed to look like at the end. And so, just continuing to stay present, continuing to find the ground underneath me, and you know. So there you go. For more information about EPP, please visit EnneagramPrisonProject.org. We appreciate your time and attention today. Stay tuned for future episodes, which you can expect on the 12th of every month as we continue to tell the story of Enneagram Prison Project. <laughs> <laughs>